Welcome to the second month and second instalment of Talking Giraffe, the podcast that's brought to us by Appetite Creative. And this month is going to be an honest look at how small businesses are actually coping during this crisis. We've just heard in the news today in New York Times that the big tech data companies and the big data and the big tech companies such as Amazon and Facebook are not just coping, but they're flourishing. But can the same be said? For the smaller companies. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Jenny Stanley, Matthew Goldhill and Fiona Wiley, who all of them are founders of their own companies, which are growing companies. And it's going to be incredibly interesting to find out from them how they're coping, what they're doing that's going to give you ideas for how to make your business flourish and what's going to happen post lockdown. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce my guest. I'm going to start with you, Jenny Stanley, because Talking Giraffe is your brainchild. So if I can get you to introduce yourself and then actually explain the concept of Talking Giraffe. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm Jenny, Jenny Stanley, founder of Appetite Creative, um, creative tech company connecting brands with today's audiences. And giraffes, well, we picked on giraffes as um, our new brand mascot because when we were looking at what we really felt um, giraffes had matched what we felt we wanted to have. So, for, for example, um, giraffes have a very long neck, which means they have a really good view on the world and can actually see things from above. And that's what we hope these podcasts actually are able to do, to give a really good view on matters that we all care about. And apart from that, they're also very unique. Um, we feel as a company, we're very unique. Um, and they can also run very fast. Um, and so, <laughs> which I didn't know until we started investigating uh, giraffes. So those, those type of things, so being able to move fast and change fast, be unique, and also have a, a really good view down on things and issues um, we felt would make a good scene. I think that's really good. And I see you're, we're obviously all consumed at the minute with webinars and podcasts. And I think it's good to see, we want to see it from the view down. We want to see different views and we want a unique perspective. So that's great to hear. Coming to you, Matthew, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, yes. Uh, my name is Matthew Goldhill. I'm founder of Picnic. And Picnic is an ad network which brings the high quality ad experiences of social media and brings them to the open web. Um, I don't know if I have an animal comparison to talk through, but... Uh, <laughs> if you were an animal, business, what I'm... would you be? I should have put that question in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, we're an uh, eight-ish person business, a few stragglers on as well, and uh, we've been going about a year and a half. Um, so perfect timing to have a worldwide uh, pandemic hit us. <laughs> but also you're going to be able to give a really honest viewpoint and I think that's what, what I'm excited about today and last but not least Fiona Wiley if you'd like to introduce yourself Hello I'm Fiona, I'm founder of the Brand Champions um, I started this business because I'd worked client side for 20 years um, and I really had a good understanding of what clients were looking for so I've been partnering with lots of different agencies really trying to help them get under the um, client's perspective and needs Brilliant. And I think that's going to be a great perspective. And I know, Fiona, you worked with an awful lot of travel brands. So it's going to be quite interesting. Obviously, they've been the first to be hit. They were first to be hit and they've been hit hard. And it'll be interesting to see they're hopefully going to be the first to come out the other side strong. Um, those that survived. But we'll come on to that and get your take on that. But I want to start with the fact of, of for each of you, we are approaching week six of lockdown. And in the UK, Boris is about to announce on Sunday, hopefully some 
some measures to allow us back out there. But I'd really love to get from you what you've learned from those the six months of lockdowns that's been potentially either positive or has been tough. And I'll come to you first, Matthew. Sure. So I think like, firstly, one of the obvious things is the ability to move from an office to working from home fairly seamlessly. I think as a small business, you have a real advantage that you don't have legacy infrastructure, you don't have a kind of massive IT department, you just have the ability to take your laptops, everyone had laptops, kind of spend a bit of money allowing people to have their own work from home set up. And we were doing every business critical action that we had from day one working from home. Um, it wasn't even that hard to get used to communication. So like that was amazing to know that the team was able to work remotely. But I think a bigger part was the motivation of the team. I think any business leader or any manager is probably concerned at some point of whether you trust people working from home. Um, there was a big report about Yahoo stopping people working from home when Marissa Mayer came into uh, took over because she was really concerned that people just weren't working. And having done six weeks of lockdown with the team, there is no doubt that they are more motivated than they've ever been. We've had to find ways to kind of um, recalibrate how to motivate people. How? What uh, ways have you found, Matthew? What ways have you found? Give us just a couple of in- examples of specifics that you've implemented. So uh, we, there are a couple of like process things which have really helped. We have a weekly morning call where everyone is on at 9.30. No one is ever late for it. Everyone knows that the working day starts at that time, which is great. We started off telling everyone what we were going to do that day. But actually, we decided that got really boring a few weeks ago. And we switched it to just say your output. So say, uh, say Monday, the thing, the one thing I want to achieve today is so-and-so. Uh, and then the next day, you say whether you got to achieve it and say uh, your goal for that day and any blockers you have. And I think it's really good to have output-based account- mm. accountability. It's very easy to, to get demotivated when you're stuck inside or kind of uh, within the same environment for six weeks on end. So focusing on small mini wins every day has been really useful. And it's also helped us to kind of find out where blockers are because when you work in an office, you tap the person on the shoulder next to you and say, can I have help with this? Whereas if you say I want to do this today but I'm blocked then we will work together to diagnose it so, so that's one thing it's really simple just like making sure that people know that they can achieve a mini thing each day and then the second thing is uh, transparency as much transparency as possible I've been sharing full P&Ls we have really clear like live up-to-date revenue projections which everyone is able to access and um, it kind of goes hand in hand with one of the things I did at the beginning well just as the lockdown happened, which was recalibrate our growth targets. So we were a high growth business. We had really high Q2 targets. It seemed pretty clear that those weren't going to be achievable. And so rather than um, trying to aim for the impossible, we really quickly recalibrated and had a number which was um, had a bit of buffering, but kind of let everyone know what financial goals we needed to be hitting in order to ensure the business didn't need to make any personnel decisions, didn't need to cut down to four day weeks, whatever it was. Um, And I think they were achievable, they were transparent, they were clear, and everyone in the team knows what we're aiming for. And we talk about it in a very kind of grown up, sensible way. Um, And I feel there's, I've I've never felt more that there's real accountability in the team and everyone knows that those extra effort they put in or those emails they send or whatever it is, is helping to keep the business going and make it even stronger for when we go out. So um, 
yeah, uh, that is without a doubt the biggest thing I've learned is how is how motivated the, the, the team are and how well they're able to work away from home. That's perfect. And I think actually, because Jenny, you were first out to go into lockdown because you're based out in Spain. And Matthew addressed there about the office space and the fact of how easy it was to do that. Has being in lockdown changed your thoughts on, on how, having the office space? Or tell me about your thoughts on, on what locked you've learned from lockdown. Yeah, definitely. Because I think we're actually um, going into to perhaps week eight um, out here. So um, it's, it's become a lot more of the norm. And um, we have had a lot of remote working and, and um, we've done things where people can work from home and there's never been a, a, a situation where you have to take the day off if there's going to be a washing machine repairman come to your house or whatever. Of course, you just work from home. But I was a little bit concerned about people working from home every single day. Um, but I think like what you're saying, Matthew, I was really surprised about how the team just kind of got on with it and, and actually I've seen more motivated actually um, in many ways than, than, than before. And um, so after some one-to-ones and conversations within the teams, we've actually decided to change the way we work and we've let the lease go in our office. Wow. We're actually going to go into a co-working space and we're going to meet every Monday as a, a day where we all get together and we, and we go into work every single Monday. And we'll obviously have an office, so we'll be able to have people who have a room there for meetings and one-to-ones and all that kind of stuff. But it's not an obligation to come into the office the rest of the week. I think that's a big turning point. And that's, I mean, that's a, again, we look at a lot of people are looking, and I am going to come on to it in a minute, which is about the challenges. But actually, it's great to see that the challenge you faced has actually led to an output that's probably going to be beneficial for your business, which I think is, is incredibly powerful. Fiona, just coming to you, you're working really closely with brands. You are their, their eyes and ears, and you are, you're there to guide them. Have they seen, have your brands you work with learned anything over the last six, six weeks of lockdown? Or What's been the standout thing that's changed within either agencies or brands that you work with? I think pitching. I mean, we can't not talk about this obvious problem of making brands and agencies pitch, you know, virtually. Um, It's a huge challenge and one I've been sort of hand-holding my clients with, both brand side and agency side, to get them to go on to a, a virtual pitching. And that changes so many of the rules um, of pitching things like pitch theater becomes really really hard to do and you can see the playing field leveling a bit which for me is a really positive step and one I sometimes struggle with for my smaller agencies um, things like being more human you know we talked about it when we opened the call dogs coming in children coming in there's more of a relationship forming between agencies and brands because of this seeing everyday life and I really hope that that continues to build as we go forward and being adaptive we've always had to adapt to brands changing budgets they change by the day regardless but there has been a huge overnight shift of um, brands budgets um, that that have meant my agencies just have to work with that and come up with more creative ways um, of working with changing and smaller budgets. Um, and, and we always have to be able to do that going forward, but that doesn't make it any easier in the short term, would be my view. And I think that that leads on, actually, because that's a big challenge that the agencies have had to look at. We've had, you know, reduced budget, but making it need to work harder. And I think everybody needs to show their value. Jenny, coming to you, what have you done and how have you worked with the, the clients to ensure that you're delivering value? How much you, you're obviously, you've had to be holding their hands on what, how creative they need to get, how what they, out, the outputs and the messaging needs to be. 
Talk me through what you've done to overcome that challenge or their challenges. Yeah, I mean, as a creative tech company, always looking at the, the biggest innovation or the newest innovation, we've always dug deep on finding what is the most creative way to engage audiences. I think the thing which is more interesting now is that people realize that entertainment and engaging their audience in an interactive way is really the way that they're going to be able to catch attention. Um, we know that consumers at the moment are sitting at home, <laughs> not doing a lot. So being able to entertain them in an interesting way, an innovative way, um, has become much more important. So for us being able to handhold our clients through what they need to be able to do, how to engage those, those users, um, what type of benchmarks they should be looking for, advising on lengths of you know, engagement they should be expecting, but also lengths of game. We had a client come to us um, last week who we was expecting you know, a 10-level game. No, people aren't going to do a 10-level game. So let us help you understand that we really, if we're gaming for about 60 to two minutes of, of, of real engagement with your brand, that would be fantastic. We don't need 10 levels. So it's those type of things yeah. where um, we can kind of advise and help them come on the journey. Um, and it's fantastic that we've got so much experience of being able to do this before. But this isn't a change for us. It's just more a change of being able to bring brands on that journey. Maybe it's also the fact they're more accepting and they're more open to these creative ideas. I mean, Matthew, you're, you're a relatively fledgling company, a couple of years in, going out with a, what's quite a unique and innovative format. Have you found that to be a stopper to people opening the door to you because it's untested to them? Or have you found them engaging because they're like, well, actually, this is an incredibly interactive and entertaining format? Yeah, I think there's there's multiple ways of seeing it. And I think this is something that you and I have spoken about. If coronavirus had happened a year ago when we were six months into launching our product, the business wouldn't have survived. I, I am yeah. really, really confident in saying that. Taking a brand new product into market, getting brands to, uh, to risk, essentially, or in their eyes, risk budget on something which is unproven, is um, I, I don't see how it would have happened. We wouldn't have had the existing relationships which we have now, which help us to, to, to kind of keep business going and find new contacts. So uh, it's a, one element is a timing thing. Uh, any new products or slightly unproven products, I just don't see how you'd be able to survive this. And that is really tough. And I, I just think back to a year ago and uh, a team half the size, and I, I I have no idea how we would have handled this. Um, today, it's slightly different. So we have a product which is a year and a half old, which is still fledgling, as you say. But we have got existing clients who really love our product, have used it a lot, always on spenders and have lots of case studies. Mm. And um, so the benefit there is, A, being able to work with people who already trust you, which is great. And have the fights to show them what does work. Exactly. I think, and then, but that turns onto the flip side, is which is now finding new clients I actually think we have the potential to be in a good situation. Having a new product which has proven results, uh, it, it falls into the kind of shiny, new, interesting category. We get to work with agencies and brands and say, this is a product which has worked really well for X. And now we think it will work really well for Y. And I think it's really important to remember with the whole industry is, is trying to get agencies and brands, well, trying to get brand spending. It's important for the whole yeah. industry to get moving again. So anything to kind of um, to incentivize people something interesting and new, I think it is a good talking point. Um, I think there's a real worry for any small business before this, but even more so now, is that budgets from creative to media get sucked up by Google, Facebook, Snapchat. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a real risk that coming into a, a kind of a, a global recession, which we're probably entering, that could happen more. But I, and Facebook and Google proven 
outcome oriented media offerings and i think the challenge which all small businesses will face and have to 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 kind of work with is how they can show that their product is as valuable as interesting as differentiated as facebook and google otherwise we'll just live in a world where like you know every advert will just live on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> so I've got Fiona, I've got to come to you then because you're working with the brands. You're telling them and advising them where to spend and to spend. I mean, we, none of us were shocked to see it was a minus 6.1% decrease in ad spend. I know all three of you have commented in the press on this topic. and But I think Fiona, I'd love to see how are you suggesting brands increase spend? Are you saying to them, keep spending and how and are you then telling them where to spend and on what? I think, you know, we need to be realistic. There's a short-term cash flow issue for a lot of businesses. And so the one of the first things that gets cut is marketing. When you're making a choice between people keeping their jobs and spending on marketing, it feels like the more frivolous and easy thing to let go of first. Mm. So we have to be really um, transparent and really open and understanding about that. Um, my advice has been to all of my clients that long term investing in a brand is always the thing that, that pays dividends. So if you can keep that marketing investment going, it is a sensible thing to be doing, notwithstanding the short term cash flow issues. Um, trust, I think, in brands is going to be something that comes back really, really strong as we go through and come out the other side of this. And so if you can be really consistent on your brand positioning and really kind of get that cemented position in the marketplace, that's that's going to do you no end of good um, in the long term. That's my advice to all of my brands I speak to. And I feel a question is, because I've seen a lot of brands, where Jenny and I were talking about this before, those that do a creative and then for no that with no obvious connection, but thank you, NHS, and deem yeah. that to be doing good. And actually, what, there's that big question as to whether that does more damage to a brand. Jenny, you've been you've been doing some work, a pro bono work with charities and doing good and looking at how brands can do good as well. What what cap, how much how much are people getting it wrong? or not being empathetic? And what should people do that shows that they understand and are being um, understanding of the situation we're in, but not stepping over that mark to make it sycophantic? Yeah, I think there's, there's always a, dif- a difficult line to tread. And I think with brands, they've got a difficult line to tread that they don't want to be seen to be um, capitalising on a, on a pandemic. And, and, and obviously, that's, that's a difficult line to tread. But also in... in in the charity space as well. Um, we've had more time on our hands, so we've been able to help out Click Sergeant, which is obviously charity for, for children with cancer and their families. Um, we've also helped out um, the World Health Organization for um, ads in Spanish. Um, and we also worked with the co-op, um, which was really interesting because actually working on that project enabled us to come up with something that we hadn't really done that often um, and not applied in this way. So for the co-op, you might have seen their press, they had changed their Easter ads into um, ads for millions. And they had a text number that you could donate money to. And so we actually kind of went to them and said, well, wouldn't it be better instead of having a, a message that says you need to text this number, how about when you click on the ad, it opens up the SMS and it has already that code in it and all you've got to put, put in is the amount that you want to donate. 
And they said, oh, nobody really spoke to us about that. And we hadn't really thought of it as a charity. We don't normally work in the charity sector. We work across all different brands, but it's just a sector we haven't really um, come into. Um, and so that was really interesting for us to be able to bring something to them um, that they hadn't really thought about. We implemented it for them and, and obviously ran the ads for them. Um, but it was really interesting how we were able to apply that to something else. And I think there'll be a lot of those different um, changes, not just to the way that we work, but also the way that we can apply new innovation to different industry verticals that we haven't really thought of before. Um, and so coming back to your question, I don't think it's about forcing it. Um, yes. It's, it's about if it fits, then great. Stick in a thank you NHS on, on an ad for Pringles. I don't know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's a fi- very fine line. And I think you, you touch on something of hopefully so much good is going to come out of this crisis. And that's what we've got to take with us. And as I, we started this conversation about SMEs and smaller companies and are they going to come out stronger? I'd love to know your takeaways on how you think life, and your, how your company will look in the new normal and where and anything you're going to take with you that you think you've either learnings or experiences or things that you would implement. Matthew, should I come to you first? Sure. Um, I mean, I have no doubt about it that Picnic as a team uh, and as a business will be able to come out of this stronger, mainly because of the way we've been able to work, the ethic, the motivation, um, the, the way the, the team's relationship has, has was already strong, but it has kind of been forged and intensified over the period. And Julia, you've, you've popped into some of the things we've done there's been lots of like work related and making sure everyone's motivated but we also do things like weekly crib sessions where I always pop into that house. I love looking around yeah. people's houses we must all implement that <laughs> we, so we have we, I've spent I you know during work everyone out of kind of coronavirus everyone always said you spend more time with your colleagues than you do your friends and family and I feel I've done the same now we have crib sessions we have a quiz once a week where someone gets to win a food parcel and it changes up every week we had pizza lunch last friday to just kind of sit there and chat like there's no doubt about it that the 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 people i've worked with over the past over the past few weeks lockdown uh we have formed strong relationships than even when we're working in an office and i think um looking very very personally at my business and at a picnic um this will help us in the next few years as we grow. There's been a, like a cultural identity formed over this period and a real motivation to make sure we come out of it stronger. Um, I'm very aware that not every business is able to do this. And I think it, go, it goes back to, to what we're saying about brands who can invest at this moment should do and others can't. And I think we've been fortunate to be able to kind of invest in the team and hopefully looking to grow again. But um I can completely see scenarios where where companies haven't been able to, because of business conditions or whatever it is, forge the kind of uh, strength and motivation that we have. I mean, there's definitely some companies that are getting it right and some that are getting it very wrong. And I think that's it's you you that's down to each individual manager and those companies to make those decisions. From your side, Fiona, your ex- what's your experience and what do you think would be the the number one thing that the agencies and brands you work with will implement in the new normal? Will it be virtual pitching? Will it be where they spend their money? What will it be that will change going forward? I hope pitching will change, not necessarily stay virtual, but I hope we will take some of the learnings that virtual pitching has taught us. So I think there's some really good disciplines I'm seeing. One is make content relevant. It's got to be short. It's got to be tight. 
Um, nobody wants to be on a virtual pitch for hours and hours listening to irrelevant content. Well, no one wants to do that in face-to-face meetings either. So let's try and keep some of those practices going. Um, making it more human, I've already talked about, you know, trying to build relationships and partnerships rather than a them and us. And that varies by client and um, agency always. But I think that's something that I would love to see going to new levels. Um, I think there's some um, pitch theatre learnings. We, you know, it's often quoted that agencies spend so much money on pitching that brands have no idea. Is that necessary? This shows us perhaps it's mm. not. Um, so I think all of those things together, although we might not want to keep with the virtual pitching, we could take some really good, strong learnings to make pitching in the real world change. We know it needs to. Do you think that, because that then, I think that, do you think that this is going to actually be a godsend for those smaller agencies? I mean, I know what the big guns spend and invest in the time. There's whole teams behind them just on that pitching. So is this the opportunity? Are we going to see the rise of the independent agency back? I hope it will create more of a level playing field for the small agencies. I mean, even if you look in the press at the moment, there are always the big guys being asked to comment but there are much more Mm. openings for some of the smaller agencies Um, and you know I think this will really make people question and reappraise the agencies they want to be working on not just based on size um, and and the big names let's hope that we see a lot more of those smaller agencies getting a real chance um, to, to, to come and be part of it they've got just as good ideas we've seen that um, so let's hope that stays definitely. And Jenny, just coming to you finally, what's the new normal for Appetite Creative? What do you think? You mentioned at the start about the new office space, and that's great. I think that's quite, that's going to be as a, for you as a, as a founder and managing director of Appetite, it's almost a, that's a big, significant change. But what else are you seeing and are going to implement? Yeah, as well, I think that there also is um, more from our client side, more of um, a consideration on time. Um, a lot of our clients um, insist on on weekly meetings. Um, a lot of those meetings, I think, now will stay as virtual meetings. Uh, that's not to say that you know face to face. You can never replace face to face. But I think there's a mixture of of meetings where we can do status meetings, and we could maybe do two status meetings a month online, and we can do two status meetings a month in person, for example. So I think it's really going to change the way. Um, certainly, we try and help our clients understand that, that you know our time and their time is precious and therefore things like commuting and travel time I mean I live in Madrid so you know there'll be certain times where I might suggest to a client instead of you know jumping on a plane perhaps it is something that we can do over over zoom and I think or 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 hangouts or whoever and I think it's something that um now everybody's a lot more open to we'll be able to um incorporate that more into our diaries and then that gives us more time and what do we do with that time are we able to continue to do things for Click Sergeant and, and other charities? Are we able to look at different things, maybe look at internal projects or, or whatever it might be? But that kind of frees up time to look at other things rather than that yeah. always being spent on a plane or on a train where it's limited the amount of um, efficiency that really has. Do you know, so it's so reassuring that actually you never know when you start a conversation like this and you do how much is going to be on the negative side. And I'm really, I've personally, I'm really pleased to see that there are so many positives especially for those smaller businesses and I think I think people are having to dig deeper work harder prove themselves more show their value but that's 
that just makes good business sense. That's what we should be doing anyway and what I know you guys strive to do. So I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you very much for joining the Talking Giraffe podcast. And I wish all your businesses the very best of luck. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thank Julia. You. Thank you.